A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day. Welcome to Screen Perspectives. Produced by the Pittsburgh Film Office, we share how people build successful careers in the screen industry, be it film, TV, streaming, etc. Screen Perspectives was born out of many conversations with industry professionals, sometimes over dinner, sometimes over drinks, and a lot of times driving around looking at the wonderful diversity of locations in the southwestern Pennsylvania region. Thousands of people make their living in the film TV streaming business, which is nationally an over $28 billion a year industry. Locally, it's responsible for over $150 million in new money each year to the southwestern Pennsylvania region's economy. There really is no direct pathway to success in this industry. It's a lot of hard work, networking, and you have to account for a little bit of luck to be successful. The Pittsburgh Film Office is excited to share these amazing individual stories with you so you can learn how they did it and determine your best path forward. Screen Perspectives is hosted by me, Dawn Keezer, director of the Pittsburgh Film Office, and the incredible Kevin Smith, screenwriter and director of broadcasting at the University of Pittsburgh. Our guest on today's podcast is the award-winning writer, director, and producer, Melissa Martin. Her work includes The Bread My Sweet, which screened at more than 20 film festivals and was released theatrically nationwide. Melissa also wrote the screenplay for the acclaimed Dear Zoe with Zen Hayes Productions. She's also known for being a writer and director of Dog Bites, a web series that has garnered international attention. More of her work includes Paper Umbrellas, I'll Call You, Come With Me, The Cookie Table, and A Weekend in Toronto. Melissa currently teaches at Carnegie Mellon University School of Drama. So, the, the million-dollar question, the idea of Dear Zoe. Dear Zoe, I have memories of you from before you were even born. Here we are again, just friends in the dark, watching books sets. I know he's been through hell, but I know that that kid in there is obviously hurting too. I'm your big sister. I was supposed to protect you. Are you coming back home? I need some time. I just, I have to clear my head. You were funny and loud and sweet. And I will never, ever forget you. Love always. Tess. Walk us through where that seed began and then how it grew up, because it's, it's a, just a fabulous drama. Just what a wonderful, wonderful Thank drama you. film that is and uh, walk us through where it began and the so whole process. Be so what happened was Mark Lormer was executive producer. I knew Mark and I think I had looked at a couple, I think I looked at um, his first film, their first, Zin Hayes' first film. In fact, I know I did Bottle Shock when they were first looking at it and I, I gave them some notes and said, well, you know, maybe this, 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 it's a great story, but you know, blah, blah, blah. And then um, they came to me to see if I would write the adaptation of Philip Beard's novel of the same title. 
And so Phil and I talked at great length and, you know, it was really how to make, take this sort of coming of age story, have it feel like it's of the period a year after 9-11, also contemporary, but then get inside the head of a young girl. And that was a big, for me, it was a big struggle because it was all men in the decision-making processes and, uh, you know, so I don't, you know, trying to capture the actual essence of Dear Zoe and make it, and novels are big, films are small in terms of the action. And so there was a, a lot of back and forth with that script. And, um, you know, I found, I found that character really compelling because she didn't have to be a superhero. She just was a kid who was kind of, as Ingo's coming of age story, she was this real reactive protagonist who had a role with a lot of horrible things. And yet she still had to be a teenager because that impulse was stronger than all the tragedy was being a teenager. And it, it, you know, it helped her to survive. And so that's what, and then of course I love Pittsburgh. So, you know, it wasn't clear where the father lived and I was like, okay, there's a place in Braddock where you can see Kennywood. <laughs> and so, then, and, it, and, and, you know, then somebody else needed to be sold on the, the Kennywood location or on the Braddock location. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lot, you know, there was a lot. It was a, it was a fun process. Um, Mark and I worked together on the script for a while. He wrote some of it afterwards. It ended up feeling to me, because it had been through a lot of iterations from the time I left the project, which was 22 drafts in, <laughs> in case anybody wonders. Um, 22. 22. Yeah. And How much did it evolve? You know, it was still the same story, but it was kind of like, you know, when you're in a collaborative team there, who's interested in what parts of this story is what d- defined the, the evolution of it. And I think that we evolved as a culture because I think that that commission was in, 2010 maybe no 2007 so there were things there's a thing or two in there that at the end i was like you can't leave that in here because it's from a relic of you know it feels to me to be insensitive and they didn't they you know they were on a different wavelength than i was on and it's okay because nobody i'm not saying what it is because nobody seemed to mind and so maybe I was being hypersensitive, but yeah, it changed. It changed a lot. But the funny thing was in the end, it came back to where it started. It mm-hmm. felt like, um, it really did. But from when Mark first contacted you, yeah, was it 15 years before they actually went into production? I think so. It was, I think. Yeah. It was a long time to get that from point A to finished mm-hmm. product on the screen. Yeah, and and they were lucky because they shot that thing right before the pandemic too. They just barely got that finished before, you know, it all broke loose. And I think we're still reeling from from that. But yeah, it took them a long time to raise the money. I really thought that that was going to be one of those commission gigs because I get a lot of them that never. I'm like, that's okay. They don't get paid. It doesn't get made. I don't care. (laughs) And I, I mean, I really loved your Zoe. I wanted to see it be made, but I really did. there was a point at which I thought, oh, this is not happening. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, and it, I love when there's two things you mentioned, and that is the Kennywood location. The, your locations in, in your screenwriting and in the, the film, they become like characters themselves. 
they should, yeah. And do you conscientiously do that or is it yes. organic to what you do? No, it's, it is, I am completely and totally obsessed with Pittsburgh. There's parts of it that I, when I'm driving, that just uh, take my breath away, you know? And I'm probably not the things that other people think about, but there's stuff that I love. And so, yeah, it always, it, it, it's always part of what I'm painting is that, is Pittsburgh, but also Phil Beard is, you know, the original writer is in love with Pittsburgh too. So it was, you know, and he created these characters and he outlined this story. And I mean, he wrote the story. He wrote way more than I wrote. And, you know, um, so it was a good match in that way. That was, I think, one of the things that he wanted, the, why he was interested in me as a writer is because of the Bread My Sweet, because of how Pittsburgh was a character in yeah. it. You uh, you also mentioned, and I really love that you said this, you worked with all males pretty much mm -hmm. when you were dealing with that. And that immediately makes me think of Fifty Shades of Grey, mm. whereas you had a male director of this incredible adaptation. Well, it was supposed to be an incredible adaptation, yeah. but we saw that story through a male's perspective, which I think really hurt the feature film compared to the the, the book itself. Yeah, I didn't read the book. I saw the movie. I, um, yeah, I'm, I, the book had to be better because so many It, it was were, because the interpretation of a male for that same subject matter is completely different than a female. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it, it I don't know, it just turned out, it is, it's a really difficult situation because we're coming to this point where we say, no, you can't tell that story. And it's, and it, and, and it, it is, I mean, at least somebody has to have have cultural competency. Yes. And in you know whether we're talking about about gender, race, sexual orientation, we you have to have a team that is culturally competent, and um, otherwise, you 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 write stereotypes and you write yes. weird you know, and I don't know I I this is probably something that. Carnegie Mellon won't be happy to have me saying out loud, but I, um, a couple of years ago, I just decided that I wasn't going to teach the canon anymore in any of my classes because when um, there was a list that was published of all the films that were available on a certain university's website and how happy they were now that we could download them all and all but four of them were white men, directed by white men, yeah. and there was one woman and three men of color. Yeah. And uh, so now I don't, I neither, I don't teach or reference any texts, any, anything by, um, I only do BIPOC and LGBTQ and women's yeah. work. And somebody, you know, they're going to learn about Quentin Tarantino. They're going to be drunk at a party and a million people are going to talk to him about Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. They don't need me to. And I'm not suggesting that anyone else should do it, but it has, led us into to question the very nature of story and who tells what and why um and you know we've been looking at really cool films so when you yeah. step outside just for one second of the box because if i'm teaching apocalypse now i don't have time to teach chloe Zhao. yeah so you know yeah that, that's very very well said um what subject, well, you already said what subject. 
what would you, what's your dream project to do? Like you mentioned, uh, uh, LGBTQ plus and, uh, and black African-American or what would be your dream film or web series? What would be the ultimate for you? Um, you know, I guess I would, I wouldn't want to direct. I would like to produce perhaps, um, I don't know. I, um, I love Toni Morrison and I would love to, um, produce work like Toni Morrison's novels to see them. That would be really cool, um, to bring together a team. You know, that would be cool to me. Also, I would be interested in, um, sort of new formats of narrative. I've been teaching the carrier bag theory, which is an essay by Ursula K. Le Guin. It talks about what we think about as a hero and how we've lost sight of the, of collective heroism inside of the, you know, for the benefit of the individual. And I'd like to look at communities and struggle and, you know, do things like that. I, you know, I don't have that. I'm really committed to doing things that, that make the com- that elevate the conversation. Even though in my own personal life, I'm an idiot. Um, oh, I, <laughs> I mean, I think dirty things are funny, and I have a really sophomoric sense of humor and all of that. But in my professional life, I would like to be doing things that that elevate the conversation yeah. that we're having culturally. Because um, you know, I'm terrified for my children's safety. I'm sure, you know, I look. You know, I'm just—it's—it's it's a scary place right now. I was just about to ask you, yeah. because of your films are so enlightening. How concerned are you about pushback on your projects moving forward? Of which oh God, it's already happening. I mean, it is already—it is. We qualified for the um, diversity and hiring contract under SAG Screen Actors Guild, and it was because—and this was. Be pre, we were set and ready to go pre-pandemic. And so we had, you know, I had cast everybody in this all white film and, you know, all these diverse roles and everybody made it all diverse. And I got a lot of pushback. It was, it, it was not conscious pushback. Like they didn't even know they were pushing back at me. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, well, wait a minute. Um, that's an interracial couple. Do you think people are going to know they're married? I'm like, there are interracial couples in the world. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> <Right>. no. <laughs> I didn't make this up. And, and so, yeah, there's pushback. There's, you know, I've, even when it comes down to, you know, simple things like music or like, well, why did you, I, I had this program. I took a little bit of the slush, you know, fund on the film and, and got, used um, BIPOC and LGBTQ artists and rented their their work to dress the sets. And that was something that was a big point of controversy. Why was I doing that? What did it matter? Why would, you know, why couldn't I just get normal art? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> We've been hearing that since what, the 40s and 50s? I know. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So there's a, so yeah, it's, you know, it's a conversation we need to have. It's about, and or keep having, and those of us who are, I mean, like you got to walk the walk, 
You can't just say, oh, well, I want to do this and I like that and I love seeing this and this should happen and that you got to do it. And if that means you say, I don't want to direct and I don't want to write, I would like to make possible this thing. That too has to happen, right? And as a director, when you do direct, I love what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but think about, I'm thinking about your films that you want to move forward with, with uh, both um, trans, LGBTQ+, Mm -hmm. uh, these various characters. And when you're casting it, I, I can only imagine the actors would love to you, they would love to be in projects like that, but the finding someone, because I think of um, the, the play, The Adventures of Ronald and Edgar, for example, mm-hmm. which was a play about two special needs um, adults and one moves in with the other and it's how they navigate life. Yeah. And actors trip over each other to play those roles, but yeah. finding the actors that can do it as a director, that's a whole nother ball game. So yeah. how, do you, how do you decipher, like obvi- what do you look for with actors as a director because so it doesn't become a stereotype or a caricature oh i look for human beings who land and who can have a conversation with me you know we can get into conversation um and they i I don't like acting Mm -hmm. you know i want being and so it, it certainly helps if those actors are that thing you know i'll cast a trans I will cast, I mean, I'm not just going to cast a trans man as a trans man. I'm going to cast a trans man as a man right? and vice versa. But if I am doing a trans man, I'm going to for sure get a trans man to play that role. Yeah. Otherwise, why act? You know, why, why make the acting, the who is, is about the series of what the decisions the characters make, what they want, you know, what they're afraid of, all of those kinds of things, not you know, if they have to work so hard to, to, to inhabit an identity that's even, you know, that, that makes their job that much harder and excludes the people who should be doing those roles from them. All right. So this is going to be, this is where we can get, make a lot of money. Melissa Martin, we need your top films from that you've ever seen that you would recommend for, stu- for young people to watch to become better filmmakers. <gasps> Um, well, The Rider by Chloe Zhao, mm-hmm. I would recommend. Get Out. Uh, you could teach an entire semester on Get Out. <laughs> um, I just saw this film, Sweet Bean, that is um, a Korean film. It's brilliant. Um, it's beautiful and it's really compacted. I'm super interested in films where there's an intersection of sort of that it all that it feels like a it could it, it treads almost to the doc to the edge of documentary, so there's enough reality in there, enough of the grit and maybe even non actors, such that it has a certain verisimilitude that we don't get always. What other films do I love? Oh my God, Moonlight, um, Tangerine. Ooh. Um, I think Tangerine, I would say, because they made it with an iPhone mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan, make your stuff with iPhones, go ahead. Cause then you'll really learn how to make a film. Then somebody else who knows how to use cameras can do that part, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you'll know what you need. Okay. Can we put dear Zoe on the list? I'd like to. Oh yeah, of course. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
we're not going to put Bread My Sweet on the list, too? No, that's a good one, too. Uh, yeah. A sweet old thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm making a movie right now. I'm, I'm fundraising for a film right now called um, Summerlings. And it's an LGBTQ love story set in 1985. It's a coming of age story too. And it's an interracial relationship. These boys who don't know they're gay because they, they have the stereotypical idea of what gay is. They don't have any idea. They don't know. They know they're, they're more than friends, but they, you know, and it's not just about that, but it, it is, it's serious. It's a drama. It has some comedic moments in it, but um, that one I'm excited about. And I think it'll be a great film. I, I had a student, um, wonderful student. I still see her almost every day uh, because of where she works. But uh, Sam Orlowski did a film, Thanks to Her, uh, oh. which was, uh, it was her capstone, which then uh, had 1.5 million views. It was about her coming, her, uh, her coming out story. And oh, wait, I know. oh, yeah. And I then she turned it film. into a feature film. Yes, I know about thing. this film. It, because that was based on herself, I remember meeting her at the, of all things, the Starbucks in Market Square mm-hmm. when she was afraid to go forward to make that as her capstone and wanted some ad- advice on how to do it. Because that one was about her, it, it was easier for her to make that film. But if there's young people who are not so much struggling with their identi- identity, but struggling with being able to announce their identity. What do you recommend for those young people? Well, I don't think that you should write about something that you're not really ready to expose. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think because there's so much at, at stake. It's okay to write about not being ready to expose your identity or explore your identity, but I wouldn't tell I wouldn't use your artistic thing to explore your uh, uh, what could I end up being a trauma because I feel like it can get in the way when we're young, we're so busy working on the structure and learning how to do the thing mm-hmm. that if there's blowback, that feels like, you know, that that story's not valid. You're not valid. What you're doing. I think that can be really hard. Mm-hmm. Conversely, we always tell people to write what they know. So I think it's just a question of when you're ready to tell a story. And, you know, even with my grad students who are older, I, you know, they, they're like, they, Propose an idea, something they went through. They're like, okay, it wouldn't be my thing, but it'd be like this. And then it becomes maybe three weeks later, we're like, you know what? You can't write this yet. It's too hard for you. Mm-hmm. It's too hard to fictionalize. It's too hard to dramatize. And then the personal repercussions of, you know, like, hey, mom, <laughs> come see my movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's you funny. know, it's a funny thing, though. I I always have to tell this story about Tammy Ryan. She's a local playwright. And she wrote this play called Pig that was very, you know, very closely based on her family. And she was very nervous about them coming to see a production of it in New York. And the actors wanted to talk to her parents afterwards. So when her parents came, because it wasn't a particularly flattering portrait of her family. <laughs> and the, the actress said, well, what was it like for you to see yourselves um, up there, you know, replicated. And the, the mother said, oh, oh no, this this play isn't about us. <laughs> and they, they're like, oh, yeah, the dog's name wasn't Scamp, it was Spot. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> oh, the epitome of denial. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah <stop. laughs> well, you know, I will say this, and it's interesting because this all makes sense. I actually, one of your students I have for independent study. Oh, who do you have? Sharon Lovell. Oh, Sharon. Yeah, great. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, uh, I've had a chance. I'm, I'm, uh, she's been sharing her project with me that she has with you. Um, and I have to tell you, it's I'm hearing all of these things coming out, which you're teaching when I read her writing, which oh, is quite wonderful. remarkable. And so yeah. uh, obviously it resonates with, uh, yeah. oh, with your wonderful. students quite a bit. Yeah, she's cool. <laughs> yeah, she's an old soul. You know, she's, she, is, she has yeah. an old soul, an old she Jamaican has. soul, but an old yeah, soul. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. where are you with basic psych now? Well, first, let's talk about what basic psych is, because yeah. you were ready to go into production and COVID hit. Right. We were, um, I think, two weeks away from turning on the cameras and we were like, uh, we can't do this. We're not going to do this. And then two days later, the world was like, no, you can't do this. So it was good. Um, but so we shot it as soon as everyone was able to be vaxxed and we understood what that meant and how it was. Then we then we shot it and uh, which was not easy to do a little independent film in it. And it's big by in terms of a Pittsburgh independent film, um, but micro in terms of a real film. And so we shot it and then we went into post-production, but as we went into post, you know, our planned editors, everybody was just had, you know, everybody was trying to make up for the income that they lost. And so we really ended up in our post situation at the bottom, you know, without anybody working on it and it, you know, got stalled. And then there were some mistakes made that, that cost us almost a year, which it's not, it's not hurting the film itself, but it was just workflow mistakes. And, you know, we talked through it, we planned it, we did it, and the mistakes were made. So now it's at um, PMI and they are finishing it. And PMI, a local post-production company. Absolutely. Well, a local production company that's doing your post, right? Yeah. Yes. Very good production company. Yeah, they're wonderful. I've worked with them and, and they're, uh, I've worked with them a couple of times over the years and they're super friendly to independent films. They're super supportive. And um, they were so, part of Dear Zoe too, right? Yep. They did. Yeah, yeah, they did part of it. I don't, I don't know what in the end they, they did some part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's where it is right now. And I'm, I'm told that it's, it's going to be finished soup to nuts by May 1st. Oh, exciting. Yeah. I hope so. Um, the acting is terrific in it. Um, the story's great. Jeff Garton shot it, so it looks pretty. Jeff Garton's a local cinematographer who has worked with David Fincher. Mm -hmm. And we shot it on um, the red camera, so we shot an 8K, which was lots of fun, but is, you know, a heavy lift in post. Yeah. And But it's going to be beautiful. So, um, I'm, and we got uh, local composers, and we have a beautiful score. And now it's, you know, because before we were like, oh, well, let's, you know, you have all this placeholder music, which really it impacts the way you think about it when you're looking at it. Now we have this beautiful score and it, so it has a sound. Oh, that's the basic psych sound, you know. It's a psychological thriller. And what will happen to it? Where is it going to go? I was about to say distribution. Now. Good for you, Dawn. We hope it goes to streaming. That's what we are, yeah. we're looking for. We're not looking for a theatrical. Um, surely we'll screen it here, but um we're not looking to 
I mean, that almost doesn't happen anymore. Theatricals, it's, you know. And you're not taking it to festivals, this one? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the producers do want to. It doesn't feel like a festival film to me mm. because it's sort of main, it's a mainstream um, psychological thriller. The two leads are white guys. They're, you know, though I populated it as much as I could with a diverse group of people, it still remains this film. And I, my subtitle is When White Men Kill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. but it's a it is you know it's about a psychiatrist who gets a dangerous patient so it's a really cool and it's clever Mm -hmm. but and it's scary but it's it's not it it is um it's something i don't see it as being film festival material necessarily Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. for some some of the destination festivals where it's not about about innovation and in film or film form as much as it is about entertainment maybe those kinds that we could go to going to the bahamas in the winter is never a bad plan exactly go Go to sedona right (laughs) (laughs) i think there's a film festival in jamaica too i i don't know i get those all the time going okay yeah that looks kind of fun I'm seeing where Don's mind is, Bahamas, Jamaica, and then here's Melissa with Sedona. I'm like Newark, New Jersey, you know, the Lincoln Motel we can all stay at. That's Oh, nice. come on. Yeah. We need some sunshine. We live in Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Sunny days. Well, I have to tell you, what a treat this is. You know, I, I, I was so excited when Don said, I guess what I was able to get. And uh, so it, for me, you know, knowing, uh, loving Dear Zoe. Number one, loving Dear Zoe, big fan of Dear Zoe, uh, not just because my my friends were on it and that uh, and that you wrote it, but it's just a wonderful work of art, Thank and it's you. a beautiful work of art. So yeah, what they a did treat. a good job. They did. Thank you. It was really great to meet you. We should go out for coffee or something. Or cocktails. Don't, yeah. <laughs> right. Thank, Thank you. you. See, Bahamas Again, bailing, and Jamaica yes. still. She's still it's there. It's Friday. Well, you I'm know, always we don't really afraid know to bring that drinking thing up. Let's drink. Let's just drink. But I don't think yes. we asked Melissa before we let her go. You know her advice, right? Yeah, for, that's a great idea. To ask oh, for the, and we didn't yeah. let we didn't let Isaiah ask we a need question. Isaiah, about right? Stuck him in the back corner, to, and I'm I not. In, I'm usually in the studio, Melissa, but I don't have a car right now, so I'm at home. Which I is actually kind of right. I know. And Kevin said he would drive Miss Daisy, referring to me, <laughs> but. Um, we're down to one car. My son has violin at four thirty, so I couldn't. I couldn't come to Pitt today. But Isaiah is great, and he's a senior at Pitt, and he usually comes in with some really great question. There's your pressure, Isaiah. Do you have a question uh, for Melissa? Um, yeah, I actually do have a question. Um, hi, I'm Isaiah Stewart. Hi, sweetie. It's, it's nice to meet nice you. Nice to Melissa. meet you. But um, I did a little research before I, I've, I've came here, and um. It's crazy how, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic how, you know, you, you were doing plays and you, you produced plays in, in theater. And I was actually talking to Kevin about that um, because when I was in middle school or high school in my freshman year before I started playing football, I actually started one play and I was Dr. Seuss and I was, they, they made me the cat in the cat in the hat. And that's I didn't tell Dawn this. That's why I was, <laughs> I didn't tell her. And uh, my, in my memories, a picture came up. And, oh and, man, that's and, typecasting right there. Yeah. And, I, I'll, <laughs> and I'll show you, I'll show you later. It's actually really funny. But my question is, um, um, I seen you did a series of short films. Um, yeah. Uh, it was, the film was 
uh, Toronto. One of them was called The Weekend in Toronto. The Weekend in Toronto, yeah. First question is, did you uh, actually go to Toronto to shoot that? No, because it actually, the funny thing about it is that it doesn't take, it's, it's this, it was written before the pandemic, but it, and done before the pandemic, but it's this woman who is creating this whole life for herself inside her house here in Pittsburgh. So she <laughs> oh pretends she's on a weekend in Toronto and she's not. she's just in the corner and um we did i mean we did all kinds of it was in my house it was another one of those things where we did just put it together with a group of fun local people and one actress that was it and um you know she's doing stuff like she's watching you know the ASMR videos on, you know, YouTube and she's doing all kinds. And, and then maybe she killed her husband, but maybe she didn't. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't give anybody any ideas. Wow. Well, with all the experience that you have, um, what would you, what, what advice would you give up and coming producers like me and Jess here? Or like, what is some advice that you can give with all the experience that you have? Well, thank you. I would, the first thing I would do is say, start reading everything that's available on No More Film School, on nofilmschool.com. That's a really great resource for young filmmakers. It has everything that you need from contracts to, you know, production strategies. Then I would start making films. I would make them with my iPhone. I would make them every weekend. I would make them as many times as you could so that you found out. Because when I say to you, you know, there's this thing called coverage. You got to go wide, medium, and tight, and then you do your inserts. And you're going to go like, yeah, but when he, she's saying hello, she only says that in the close-up. So I'm only going to record it in the close-up. And then the next thing you know, you get in the edit and you don't have any coverage, right? I want you to do that on your iPhone for free. I want you to make all the mistakes that you can make. Then I also would say, do every kind of art form there is. Take an acting class. Take lots of acting classes. Do Take a painting class. Take you know, photography, take, become a well-rounded human being and then keep remembering where you came from because that's where the real good stuff is, is where you came from, who you are. Um, you know, if you want to make zombie films, knock yourself out, but also, <laughs> also, cause I might want to too, but also make something that's true and real because then it's undeniable, right? If you do about what you know, it's undeniable. You decide you're going to write it, make a movie about the Italian mob. You might have fun and it might be great. You should do that too. But are you going to learn to value who you are and what you bring that way? And we need your voice. The next generation, you need, we need your specific voice. We don't need you doing Clinton Tarantino. We need you doing you. Yeah. So that's do you, I guess, is be my big advice to everybody. Thank you so, thank you so, thank you so much. Thank you. And it's no film school. Nofilmschool.com, which is a great tip. What a great tip that was. I'm going to actually steal that from my students, by the way. I hope you don't mind. No, I do it. And then look at, you know what else? Every frame of painting is a beautiful series um, of these little films that are two minutes long. And they're, um, and they're all on subjects. And it's, it's like across the spectrum of everything. And they're great. And, and then... Um, Isaiah, you know, if, if I get this film financed, um, I am, you know, what I'm doing is a mentorship and training program in this film as a part of it. So you'd be hired to work on the film, but have to do things like go to production meetings so that you find out 
what the real nuts and bolts of filmmaking are so that you don't just know how to be a PA that you, that you understand what film financing is. It'll make you, it'll be for you, but you've got to know it, how to write a SAG contract. Oh, those things are real. You know, all that kind of stuff you'll learn, which you don't want to know, but you need to. Do you think you need to go to film school? Mm -mm. No, I didn't. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, you know, it's nice to study that while you're at school and take some opportunities, but going to film school isn't always required. And do you think you can stay in Pittsburgh and have a career in this business? Absolutely. I think there's a diaspora anyway of the film industry happening. And I think that, you know, because our queen Dawn has done such a good job <laughs> here, it is possible to live and work here. It was not possible before Her, Her Royal Highness came <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's really true though i mean it's true she's she is responsible for having this film industry here that is thriving yes, is. and yes. and that you know i don't think that many of the guys who are pulling wires on those films woke up and when they were 16 and said i want to pull wires on film they want to make other they want to make their own projects which they also do but because they earn a living on these bigger films they're able to do that and so we have a deep level of talent here. We need more. We need you, Isaiah. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's all because of the queen over there. It's the queen. Yeah. I'm telling you right it now. Is. I, 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 she knows I worship at the altar of dawn. So oh, please. She knows. Yes. Jen, make sure all this gets edited out. But look, at the end of the day, um, <laughs> it's a team effort. This only works because we have people like Melissa Martin that live in yes, Pittsburgh. Yes, she's amazing. And we'll take the time to share her voice and share her talent and share her experience like she did with us today, which has been incredible. Everything she's speaking about, I can't decide what we're going to call today's episode because I'm still stuck on dialogue. What was it? Dialogue kills. Dialogue is failure. Dialogue is failure. Right. Uh, I like that one. I like do you, but do you look, a good one. Um, yeah. So many good, uh, see all these things, <laughs> all these things. And you didn't trademark a single one. So if they show up in any of my projects, don't my pay. new t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sell those to keep the film office funded. Yeah. But like, remember, remember the old Frankie dialogue say? is failure on the back. Shut the up and make movies. There you go. <laughs> we'll put we'll put yeah, absolutely. Melissa say just like the old Frankie goes yeah. to Hollywood shirts. Relax. Yeah. We'll just put Melissa say shut the f up. That'll be great. Yeah, I love this. Dialogue is failure. Yeah. But I, not I, in terms I, not in terms of a podcast. In a podcast yeah. like Screen Perspectives, what we're doing today and trying to share what goes on behind the scenes. And the goal with this, Melissa, is really to give people a peek behind the opaque curtain because oh, people don't understand this industry. They don't know how it works. They don't have a way in. They don't get a chance to have the conversations we get to have. So we decided to do this this year to start sharing it. So we're oh, super excited. That. And thank you so much for jumping on with us today. My pleasure. I'm so amazing. happy to have been thank able to. Melissa. I'm happy to have met you both, you all. And, um, and you know, I'm all about girls and guys. Let's go. <laughs> You've been listening to episode eight of Screen Perspectives. Screen Perspectives is hosted by Don Kieser and Kevin Smith, produced and engineered by Max Glider, Isaiah Stewart, and Jennifer Booker. Music by Isaiah Stewart. Special thanks to today's guest, Melissa Martin, the Pittsburgh Film Office, and to the University of Pittsburgh. Screen Perspectives is a production of the Pittsburgh Film Office.